What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, a residential medical expert, Rosam Lalia. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I guess what? This is week two of NBA in-season tournament, and uh, NBA and November have never meshed so well before. Yeah, so we're recording on Tuesday night, and uh, you know, these, some of these courts actually look like it might be growing on me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching the Heat Horn- Heat Hornets game on before this, and uh, the Hornets court is pretty nice. I want to be a hater, but it's coming along. Yeah, you're you're never gonna get me saying those words. The courts are an absolute no for me. But hey, every year they gotta up the tournament, and next year they'll get the court design right. That's what I hope. You know what? The main thing that they need to do, like I know it's the first one, so they gotta make it a big deal. But get rid of the trophy in like the middle of the court. That shit's so whack, man. You can't have a trophy if you're a team like the Clippers or uh, have the Hawks ever won? I don't know if the Hawks have ever won, but you know what I mean, right? Like Denver up until last year, basically. If you've never won anything, you shouldn't have a jersey or a, a trophy. The Grizzlies. Grizzlies can't have one, but they have it. It's weird. I don't like it. Yeah, and especially because it's not even the uh, actual like Larry O'Brien trophy. Um, it's It's like some NBA Cup trophy that no one's actually <laughs> visibly seen before so and it it looks so geometrical that it kind of looks weird um yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of things to improve on but the basketball itself like i'm sure we'll touch upon it but has the nba ever been so competitive or has there been so many competitive games in november probably not do you really think so do you do you buy this that like this is what we needed for the players to actually take it seriously you know what? I will say that there has been some really good games. And I feel like on a Tuesday and Friday, I actually think about the games. Like, oh man, oh. like it's Tuesday and Friday. Like there might be a really good matchup. Or I'm expecting the Stars to be playing if it is a good matchup. Compared to last year in November, it was like, oh, it's it's game 12. Like most teams aren't going to be playing their top guys, top minutes. Uh, and we saw a hell of a game when... Uh, Again, I'm not even sure if this was NBA in-season, but the Lakers-Clippers, that was a great game. Yeah, I don't know if that was actually uh, part of the tournament or not, but nonetheless, like you have to realize that because it's the first year, because the NBA needs to sell this to their TV partners, that it was like a priority to schedule important games on these kind of nights, right? Like, there's a reason that we're getting Nuggets-Clippers tonight, although the Clippers are like, eh, not so great. But you know what I mean. Pacers 76ers. Pacers have like the fastest pace offense ever. 76ers are what? First in the East? Like those are the mat. I don't think anyone predicted the Pacers to be this good realistically. But there's a reason why the league like scheduled these games. We're getting Timberwolves Warriors tonight as well. Pretty good games. You know, the NBA is doing it right. Like just, just thinking about scheduling a little bit more for these kind of nights. It goes a long way. Brings a lot of people in. Yeah, and also, like, if you think about NFL season, they really have Thursdays and and Sundays. And then you have college football taking over all Saturdays. So the NBA just picked two nights. It works really well in the schedule. Um, you have it all of November. My only kind of probably downside is it's going to end early December. And, <laughs> like, I feel like if you're a true NBA fan, you really realize that there's kind of, like, almost – three or two NBA seasons it's all the time before the all-star game post all-star game and then you have playoffs 
So, like, I, yeah. I feel like they could have done the tournament until, like, middle or near of end of January. Uh, they would have those dates on lock. Um, and they could have spaced it out. Just made it a little more, like, instead of Tuesdays and Fridays, make it either Tuesday or Friday. And it'll, it'll be and a lot more stretch interesting. stretch it out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good idea. I like that. I guess they were trying to fit it in before Christmas. But, yeah, if you, like, scheduled it. Like, start mid-November instead of late November or early November. Like, start after Remembrance Day or, like, what is it, Ver- Veterans Day in the U.S.? Memorial Day? Yeah. Whatever whatever day they have. Yeah, do it after that? Not bad. It's a good idea. Stretch it into January a bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you have the Super Bowl, then you have All-Star Weekend, and then, boom, it's NBA. Who's going to be the fifth seed? Who's going to be the eighth seed? Who's playing in the play-in? Like... You have a whole different dynamic, and uh, it just what are we gonna wait in January for? Like it's it's gonna be a bit of a lull for sure. Hey hey, maybe we'll still be waiting for the Clippers' first win with James Harden. Uh, you know what? I, I think we'd have to push that to like February March the way they're playing. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I don't think we ever talked about this Harden trade, but this is just off to like one of the worst starts I've ever seen with a. He's a, he's still a superstar player, right? Or at least the personality is still a superstar player. 0-4 ever since he's been traded to the Clippers. The team has zero chemistry once again. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's usage rate has gone from 28 to 22, which is not what you want out of your best player. Paul George thought he had to play a glue guy. Paul George thought that he was a glue guy on this team. <laughs> He's like the best three-point shooter on the team now. But, you know, besides that part, whatever. Russell Westbrook is clearly upset with his one deteriorated position on the team. But also just less playing time down down the stretch. Like, I would be too if I was the guy. I took a pay cut to play on this team. And then all of a sudden this dude that I didn't like playing with before just traded onto my team. Not very happy with it. And James Harden is clearly getting blasted. From literally every direction possible. Like, the only person who's standing up for him right now are his teammates and the coaching staff, which is, you know, what they're supposed to do, a la, you know, Ben Simmons. But, you know, it, it's just not looking good. And this team has, like, no chemistry whatsoever. There are no ball screens because they traded Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington and K.J. Martin. Like, three guys who actually set screens when K.J. Martin played. There's no movement whatsoever. Zubac looks injured, which is not great. Mason Plumley is injured, which is also not great. There's two more of the guys who set screens for anyone on this team. So you're basically playing ISO ball with each of these guys and then hoping that, you know, James Harden shoots a three whenever he gets it instead of taking two dribbles to the right and then shooting a three. Not not a great start for this new Clippers team, man. Hey, you're you're uh, you're giving that uh, Clippers announcer, that Bally Sports announcer, a run for his money with his little uh, monologue <laughs> there. Um, which you I are think most, the problem. <laughs> yeah, like I think most fans, <laughs> even though it was a bit harsh, there was no lies that he spoke um, in his little statement there. Um, I, I I think there's a lot of things to digest with this Clippers getting James Harden situation. Um, Ultimately, it really seemed like the Clippers got James Harden as an insurance policy for if and when one of their guys, particularly Paul George or Kawhi, ends up missing time. And that's a reasonable solution because when they lost one of those two players or both, they were just not as effective of a team 
although they had a lot of good young or even older wing players and depth, they just, they didn't click. And James Harden, if let's say Kawhi and uh, Paul George were injured, would probably fit a lot better than he is right now on this team. And it's almost as if they're setting him up to fail, which again, this I think kind of goes a little more up towards Tyron Lue. And I'm not, I'm not saying they want him to fail, but the way they're, they threw him into the starting lineup. This guy hasn't played basketball competitively at an NBA level all offseason. He's been surrounded by this drama. And then he goes onto a team where he's never played with this many stars. Like he's pretty much playing an all-star game and it looks like he's playing an all-star game with his effort level and the way he's kind of playing defense and letting basically being a pylon on one of those drills. Um, it it's it would have been a lot more effective to have him come off the bench. You can use the excuse that he hasn't played many minutes. You're just trying to see how the team fits in. And hey, if James Harden starts to click, starts to play a lot better, you can start considering putting him into the starting lineup. You can have him play a little more in kind of games where you're expected, let's say Paul George to sit out, let him jump into the starting lineup there. Like you have a lot more like flexibility. But again, the biggest issue, and you touched upon it briefly, is there's just not enough ball to go around. Like all of these players were the number one guy for several years in the last decade, right? And then you put them all on one team and there's one ball. And and then on top of that, some of their role players are injured. They haven't, like, they're not, they don't compliment Kawhi or um, PG all that well. And uh, like, even their bigs, like obviously Mason Plumlee's more athletic and, and a bit more um, mobile than Zubac, but Zubac doesn't fit that well with, those four outside perimeter players. I mean, Zubac could actually fit well with Harden alone, right? Like Harden needs that pick and roll got big to go with him. That's why he like popped off with Embiid or got Embiid to pop off so hard last year, right? Everything was a pick and roll, nonstop pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. That's pretty much what happened in Houston too. He always had Clint Capella as a pick and roll guy. And then you spread shooters along the sides. Granted, this is also a younger James Harden that was skillful, faster. That's pretty yep. much it. Much he lost faster, a step. Pre he lost a step. Yeah, exactly. He's a, yeah, he's older. He's, he's had that hamstring injury that like lingered for like a year and a half or so. He's just not the same guy. And I don't know. It seems that he's brought like a sour taste into the locker room. I know the guy, like all the stars are saying that like it just takes time. Ty Lue wants to give him 10 games to get acclimated. I might need more than 10 games, but you might need it just a doesn't lifetime. seem, it might, like, honestly, it might, and considering that three of these guys, or maybe even all four of them, are going to be free agents in the next year or two, it's not a good look for this team. Like, they need their stars to come in strong, to come in attacking, to, you know, like, hit it hard, basically, right? New arena opening, they need to sell tickets, they need to get numbers, and uh, with Harden playing the way he is, hey, not you know great. what? He he's a big enough player that he will bring in numbers. And you know, they obviously a lot of people who are visiting from like Asia and Eastern Asia are visiting LA. Like they love James Harden, right? So he's gonna sell tickets. I don't think that's like the biggest issue. I just think like right now, the the biggest issue I see is. All of these players obviously need the ball, but all of these players have had question marks about how much they can deal with 
teams kind of not failing, but like hitting a roadblock. And all these players have probably had issues with this. Like if you look at, for instance, Paul George, when he wasn't playing at his level or struggling, like he wasn't that player to will himself out of a situation like that. Kawhi is obviously a quieter leader. He's not as vocal. Um, He's always played on some very successful teams. But when the Clippers weren't doing that well, you weren't hearing Kawhi willing the team. It was, hey, you know what? The Clippers are failing with Kawhi. Where is this leader? And then Russ. Obviously, um, he's had a shortcoming. Sometimes his decision-making is questioned. And hey, for whatever it's worth, he's turned it around as a Clipper. Not as good as a time as a Laker, but... Um, I have a question for you. Who had a worse start to their season in LA? Was it Russ on the Lakers or Harden on the Clippers? Oof. Ooh, I don't know, man. That's that's. I mean, Westbrook at least had training camp, you know? Harden's whole excuse is, oh, I didn't oh. have training camp. I didn't have preseason. I came into the season out of shape, blah, 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 blah. You know, typical James Harden kind of, kind of excuses. But at least Russ had training camp. But I don't I don't know, man. It's a lot of scrutiny going both ways. Yeah, James Harden doesn't have Le- the LeBron James like machine behind him blaming him like Russell Westbrook did last year. No, it's it's true, and ultimately these are all players that it seems like they just want to get theirs, and then maybe secondary team success. Um, and see, I don't even know. I don't even know about that. I think, I think that's a thing for Harden. I don't think that's a thing for Kawhi. PG or Westbrook at this point I think those three because they went through the playoffs last year together and were just like entwined in the same system in the same team in the culture right like they know each other well enough that they can sort of read off of each other like to start the year the the Clippers are actually pretty good until they hit this like five game losing streak but (laughs) until they traded for Harden (laughs) yeah I mean 0-4 with Harden they lost an overtime game to the Lakers like uh, just before Harden joined the team but before that, they were three and one. Yeah. Not and, granted, it wasn't like the hardest schedule, but they were taking care of business when you're supposed to take care of business. Yeah, and ultimately, you always have to look at when they made that trade. Could have they have made an alternative trade to make their team better? And lost in all this is, yes, you've touched upon it briefly about them all being free agents and what's going to happen this off season and next off season if they re-sign or extend any of these guys, but. They're also stunting the development of Man, Highland, Zubach. Like, they, they're really, like, putting all in on these four guys. And, hey, if we're playing NBA 2K and we're running simulations and you turn injuries off, this team's winning chip after chip. But that's not how the NBA works. Like, you got to stay healthy. You got to gel. There's team chemistry. There's egos. And you got to perform in the clutch. And... I, I, I would say that there's an argument to make that this Lake Clippers team is going to be in the news for all the wrong reasons. I mean, it's not off to a good start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god, it is awful. Um, I heard a stat today off of The Athletic where James Harden's plus minus, or uh, yeah, his like on and off court numbers. In the four games, they are minus 67 with him on the court. Plus 24 with him off. That is That's quite... Bad. Yeah, that is quite the discrepancy. And they lost at home to the Memphis Grizzlies. Just oh, soak that in. The Memphis Grizzlies. Their second who are just season. awful this year. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. I don't know, man. I 
I don't see much way for this team to get out of this other than Harden suddenly like gelling with these guys, learning how to catch and shoot, spreading the ball more, hustling. But those things haven't been in his character for us to see over the past few years. And it's worrying because he did so well coming to the Nets right away. Even with the 76ers, he had a pretty reasonably fast start. Um, so they have to wonder, right? And uh, and the other thing, too, is who's going to come off the bench first? Russ or Harden? I, I kind of like that idea of Harden coming off and just being a gunner. Yeah, and him against any second unit is not fair. 100%. A hundred percent. He would dominate like 95% of the second units in the league. And and he would probably end up playing close to the same amount of minutes, to be honest. Yeah. You just have yeah. to be, la- you would just be labeled as a bench player though. Right. And gotta, considering he's trying to get another, yeah, he's trying to get another contract after this, right? Hey, if, if I'm team Harden and I'm part of his backroom staff, his agent, like, they should have had him coming off the bench. Put up great numbers, ease his way in, show that he can put up contribution, and then then start. Like, don't be shooting yourself in the foot. Now there's going to be, are you out of shape? Can you still perform? Are you a team player? Do you just care about the money? Do you need Daryl Moore? Like, all these stupid narratives that, to be honest, he's still a very good player. He's still a star in this league. He's definitely not a top five player anymore, but... He's still a very, very good player. And he might not even be top 50 this year so far. Yeah, but but on the court, he is worthy of a top 50 player. I don't doubt his skill. I don't think his decline's been that great. I don't think so either. I just mean so far this season. Oh, absolutely. He's top 100, max. That's rough. That's rough. Can you... Uh, give me something better, man. Give me something less depressing. Than the Clippers. Less depressing than the Clippers. You you know what? There's a few good storylines about, I would say, young players who are finally been given the opportunity to like to succeed, to play. And like I'll highlight two teams. One is heavily fantasy based. Um again, the Orlando Magic, although they're probably not blowing the lights out and 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 winning um, all the games they should be winning. The fact that they have a plan and they have two or three guys that are leading this team. Obviously, Wendell Carter Jr. is injured, and that's a that's a pretty significant loss given the fact that he was playing most of the center minutes. But they clearly have their system in place. Like they have their core group of three guys um, with Fultz, Benchero, and. Um, and Wagner coming off uh, kind of the starting unit. And then they have Wendell Carter Jr. And then they have Suggs, kind of that guy that everyone was wondering, where is he going to fit in now that he's year three? Um, and he's doing a great job coming off the bench. They have Cole Anthony with good guard depth. And Cole Anthony's game right now reminds me a lot of what Fred Van Vliet did for the Raptors when he was coming off the bench. Like just a bit of that spark plug, right? Interesting. And again, it's it's the right thing to do and it's nice to see a team that's actually drafted i would say reasonably well um they have a bit of a plan and you know what they should stick with it they could be in my opinion they could be if they acquire one star and they may have to give up some assets they could be a team that has a a couple of years in the top four in the east not this year but maybe next year or the year after like they have some serious ballers on their team and 
Um, again, give Wagner and Ben Chera one more year together. These guys are going to be a, a deadly duel. Um, the other player, too, of course, some hometown love for the Raptors. Scotty Barnes is, in my opinion, <laughs> like running away with this most improved player. Um, he's basically running the point for the team. He's pretty much the Swiss Army knife of their team. He's rebounding some games, putting up 12, 14 boards. He's giving five to seven assists um, if he has to be the point man. Uh, he's getting steals, blocks. He's playing. He's having a bigger role than Siakam's having. And Siakam's at a contract year. So that's saying something. Um, so those are kind of like some uh, nice things to see. There's also a lot of other great young players. Ant has really taken a step up. I know Josh is probably too busy salivating and talking about how great Cat is, but Ant is really the one that's kind of changed the the outlook of this team. Um, last year it was, who's going to be the leader of this team? Is it going to be Cat and Ant? Now it's Ant 1, Cat clearly number 2. And uh, hey, you know what? I, I love these young players playing well. It's something to 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 be excited about. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but why don't <laughs> yeah. we get, why don't why don't we just go straight to the hometown loving? Because uh, I mean, I wanted to talk about this since like the beginning of the year. Pascal Siakam's role on this team is sort of just like completely diminished, right? Like, is he the role player that Paul George thinks he is on the Clippers now? Dude basically spends like 50-60% of games sort of hanging out in the corner waiting for a pass. He'll bring up the ball occasionally and then give it off to Barnes or Schroeder immediately. And like, I know the last game they played he went off for 31 or 32 points. But his his role on the team just seems so like removed for oh, lack of better terms. You know what I mean? Like he's just not, it doesn't look like he's engaged. It doesn't like co- look like Coach Darko is really using him the same way that Nick Nurse did in the past. He's sort of just like there. And for a player who's still in his prime in a contract year, I I mean, the writing's on the wall, right? Like he's got to be on his way out within the next couple of months, or you would hope so at least. Yeah, we, we've joked about this off the pod that Masai would be, it would be a sackable offense not to get something for Siakam at this point. Um, to bring in some EPL terminology. But yeah, Siakam's definitely reduced role. When I watch him, like, for lack of better comparison, he kind of reminds me of what Jeremy Grant was for Mm. the Trailblazers. Like, Jeremy Grant on the Pistons was kind of doing everything. Like, he had a much bigger role. And then he moved to the the Trailblazers, and we were expecting him to have that same level of production. And... It clearly just dropped off. The ball wasn't in his hand. He was a bit more of a an accessory. Uh, and another comparison I'd make is a bit like Harrison Barnes is for the Kings. Like they clearly have their two guys in Fox and Sabonis. And then Barnes is there. Like he's he plays a key role. He plays good minutes. But he's almost there to like, if a possession's kind of failed, give it to Barnes. Try, let him try to get a basket. Or, hey, let Barnes like maybe go to work sometimes just to, to get a bit of a different look. And, uh, hey, you know what? If I'm Siakam, like, uh, this basically tells you where you stand with the Raptors. Because if you look at kind of how they're constructed with Schroeder and, and Barnes and even uh, Jakoperto, like, they have a lot of guys that kind of want to get two feet into the paint. And that's mostly Siakam's game. And he's not really necessarily a, a true perimeter player, like, 
a player like Bradley Beal or anything like that. He's just, that's not his role. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I, I thought the Raptors would probably try to get him a little more involved early in the year. Because right now, unfortunately, they're kind of tanking his value. Um, and uh, and they're kind of making it be known that, hey, this guy's not in our long-term plans, which is not going to get you the best dollar, Masai. So uh, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe you got to lower the asking price or uh, maybe get him a little more involved. But yesterday he had a great game. Yeah, I mean, he has a great game once every like three or four games at this point, but... Yeah, I mean it's just it's just weird the way that they're using him. I don't really understand, especially for a guy who was uh like such a major piece from their 2019 championship. And it, it's basically him and OG that's left from that team, right? Like no one else is around anymore. And Chris Boucher? No, Chris Boucher too. Oh, Chris Boucher. Yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad. I forgot yeah, about yeah. him. Yeah, don't forget. Okay, so three guys that are three guys Montreal's are left. Finest. And <laughs> my apologies. Yeah. Uh yeah, three guys are left. OG clearly with like possibly the highest value amongst the three of them between him and between him and Siakam obviously but yeah it's weird. All of that being said, Scotty Barnes is absolutely incredible. He had that massive fourth quarter against the San Antonio Spurs where he basically just like carried the team. We all saw that clip where Shooter said, uh, you know, Coach Darko drew up a play down the stretch, and Scotty was just like, "Yeah, we're all just step back three. <laughs> okay cool man <laughs> i mean if that's a possibility every time you can just do that whatever have fun yeah and uh he's just like a really likable player out there he's doing everything for the team he hustles he like his defense is solid he's a grinder yeah. like yeah i mean he's just out there he's killing you, it you know what i like the fact that they're putting him in situations when the game's on the line and he's getting that experience either even though maybe it's not successful and the key thing about it is when he's not successful, he's not shying away from it the next time. Like, yeah. you want to see that in a player and you want to see it early in their career. Not because, like, he's going to be the Kobe and the closer, but you want to see how well they're able to handle that pressure and that starlight and and those situations. And, um, hey, you know what? The Raptors' ultimate goal is to win a championship this year, of course. Um <clears throat> Let's be serious. Uh, their goal is really to make the play-in tournament. Um, and if they do that, it's a successful year. Um, and obviously their other goal is to develop their players. Uh, but hey, you know what? We are going to talk about the Raptors ad nauseum um, when Josh gets back here. Um, but ultimately, uh, like there are some good NBA teams this year. Um, and I, I feel like for once, I don't know, maybe it's the in-season tournament, but for once I'm excited about like the playoffs in November. Like I'm excited oh, wow. to see what's going to happen just because there are some interesting teams that are a little unproven and they're, especially in the West, there there is obviously a clear, I would say number one, but two to six is like, who is that second best team? Well, Apparently it's Minnesota followed by Oklahoma City, and then <laughs> yeah, but 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 those teams have never then, been there. Know. Yeah, but they haven't been there in the last three four years. So like, sure, yeah. they they're on paper the best team, but like, comp- compare that with the experience the Lakers have, the Suns. The You're Clippers, right. If it's they true. Make it. It's it's actually it's crazy that these young teams have taken such a big step in the past like, year or two, right? And 
basically the old guard in the league. You're looking, I'm talking about like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, who are riding the hell out of Steph Curry's like broken ankles here. The Suns, who are riding the hell of Kevin Durant's like 34 year old back. Like all these old guys are, they're really showing their age with these teams, right? Like, I don't know if it's the construction of the teams. I don't know if it's the coaching that, like, the offense and the defense that's being run. But a lot of these old guys are just getting killed. Sorry, other tangent. The Warriors are have, like, the worst offense possible, right? Other than Steph, my God, that is just awful. They've had one player who scored over 20 points this, or scored 20 points or more this season other than Steph Curry. One player. Do you know who it is? Moses Moody? Dario Saric. Saric. Oh, my God. Would you have ever guessed Dario Saric? No. Although I did like his game when he was on the 76ers. I thought he was going to be an interesting player, but some injuries got to him. But that's, yeah. the If we want to talk briefly about the Warriors, classic example of a team that, again, rightly so, they've won so many championships. What? It's four championships in the last six, seven years. Seven years? Yeah. Seven years. Um, they they clearly prioritize their success over the, any development of any of their players. Mm-hmm. And um, now they're kind of suffering some of the consequences. Like Kaminga, when he first came on, everyone's like, yeah, this, this guy could, could end up becoming a pretty good player. It's like, watch out. Like, they might not need Draymond, like, and then obviously Wiseman experiment badly failed, and then they they had like Moody, who again, good player. Gary Payton had a great, <laughs> like Gary Payton was a a good defensive guard that gave him a bit of depth, and oh, he's going to take over the reins from Igudala, and then they don't re-sign him. Like, it, <laughs> there's just, and then obviously he gets injured and and the whole shebang, but. Overall, the Warriors are going to be the Warriors, and we know NBA basketball. It, it's great to have nice depth, nine, ten guys playing in October, November, December. It, none of that stuff matters. It's your top seven, and top seven that are healthy come March, April, May. It, it, yeah. It's it's a like you don't care as much like as long as your team makes the playoffs and they're healthy. Like, hey man, they're going to be back in that dance. play in. They're going to be back in that play in again at this rate. And they're going to be the favorites. <laughs> like, in the plane. It's sad, but it's true. It's yeah. sad, but it's true. All right. That was a good recap. I'm going to call it here. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please remember to rate and subscribe. We're on all the major podcast platforms. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We're on all the socials, obviously. TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram, X. Raj, are you an X user? I am definitely an ex-user. No threads for me. Wow. I actually noticed that they say uh, reposted instead of retweeted now. On <laughs> oh, my God. This guy. But all the URLs are still Twitter URLs. What Give it a year. 2024. New year, new URLs. <laughs> That's the new same, year, right? New year, new X. <laughs> X.com has to be used for something else already. Yeah. And until next time, peace. <laughs>